movies, all those comics, all the games, all those toys, all the TV, the animation. Just give us, just give us one hour and 45 minutes and we will give you everything Marvel. Hello, hey. Marvelites. Welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 229. This is the official Marvel podcast of all news, new releases, and singing. Yay. I'm Ryan Benagos, a.k.a. Marvel's agent and vice president and executive editor, joined by... Marvel editorial director of digital media, Ben Morse. Close. <laughs> I think that was it. That was it. Yay! And uh, our intern, Lexi, does not have a microphone this week. Because there's big things popping. Yeah, she spin-kicked it into oblivion, yep. so she doesn't get to speak because uh, she was She's too spoken violent. through the language of violence. Yeah, this is the, the language she is most fluent in. Yes, the universal language. Yes. You might not know how to speak it, but everyone understands it. Ooh, that's good. <sighs> right? Yeah, good uh, stuff. Uh, so... We're going to get into all the news and all the new comics out this week. Print, you know, the digital, stuff we usually do. All the, all, but you know what? We have new listeners. I actually got a nice tweet what? from a new listener. Said he just started listening with 227 hmm. and was like, hey, I think someone was eating at the beginning of the episode. It could have just been me making noises. That's the least noises. of his concerns. Uh, but that's fine. Yeah, sure. Welcome aboard. But like we always think about with comics, every episode, every, episode every someone's issue first. could be someone's first. Never thought of it that way. You have to. Wow. And um, so we're going to get into all the new fun stuff. We've got a Twim URC, which is our This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club. But we're not doing it. We don't have to do it. Nope. Not dealing with it. We have to have a pick, and it's your turn to pick. So I'm ready to see what you've got in store. We'll okay. hear that at the end of the episode from Strami and Patrick when you give it to them, and they'll announce it. Yep. Um, but it I'll should be do. great. That's that's what I'll do. Yeah, that was the plan all along. Yep. Brilliant. Uh, all good stuff coming uh, up. And if you're just joining us, remember, email for the podcast is twimpodcast at marvel.com. You can also tweet using the hashtag this week in Marvel. Next week we'll get into some of those uh, questions and comments. Uh, and if you are talking specifically about the Unlimited Reading Club, the hashtag is Twim URC. T W I M U R C. Yeah, we have a funny, uh, nice little theme song for that, too. Yeah, we sure do. But do we, have, we don't have a theme song for the new comics of this week because that's just the I main don't part think of the so. show. We always go right into it. If, yeah. if we have a theme song, we're not using it. Sure. We're certainly just trampling right over it. Yep. But and let's trample right into All New and Humans. Yeah, number eh? five. Written by James Asmus, art by Andre Lima Arojo. James Asmus going solo, Andre yeah. Lima making his comeback. Love Andre Lima Arojo. Yes. Uh, colors by Andres Mosa. And uh, you got lots of Spider-Man in this issue, which is always fun. And uh, we had the, the Spider-Man and Humans crossover in the specials. Yep. Last year. Some time ago. Yeah, it was about uh, around about a year ago uh, when Spidey first met some of these characters and some other different humans. It was a really fun story. Uh, so you get, you know, some of that interaction playing off things. But we're on the, this is following the crew on the Royal Inhuman Vessel, a.k.a. The Riv. Come aboard, we're Fly expecting you. To the skies yep. of the Riv. I'm a great singer. You're um, <laughs> But we're, we get to see the uh, this Inhuman crew following these giant sky spears. This is a new thing mm. happening in the storyline. This is a new storyline. Fancily, it's called sky, sky spears. spears. It tells you right up front what it's about. Yeah. 
but the Inhumans are tracing these because this is a big deal for Inhumans and New Humans, and especially in the current political climate of the Marvel Universe, uh, these landing in all these different places, it could be a real problem. A real pickle. Yeah. And so one lands in China, and our crew, you know, the uh, the Royal and Human vessel, goes over there to start dealing with this. And then, boom, we get to see the People's Defense Force of China. Love it. So awesome. Uh, Drawn by Rojo was was a real treat. Yeah. He, uh, he really put his own take on Collective Man and Company. Yeah. There's a tiger, which is always sure great. sure is a tiger. Uh, but it's really cool. Collective Man is, is great. I mean, like... Excellent. Just, like, the idea that his power is he's got the combined strength of every uh, man, woman, man and woman in China. Mm-hmm. Like, that's pretty strong. It's a dense population. Yeah. That's like 5, 20, 30 people. At least. Yeah. A couple dozen. A couple dozen. A couple uh, bears dozen. But the Sky Spears have sort of a, a self-defense mechanism, a little thing inside them that uh, is going to make it a little tricky for anybody approaching them. So we'll see that play out in the future episodes. And it's a treat to have James Asmus writing Spider-Man because James is kind of known for his comedy. He's a comedic writer in the beginning, and obviously Spider-Man is where you can really show your chops on that, and he does. He does show his chops. Also showing its chops this week, all-new X-Men number 6, written by Dennis Hopeless, art by Mark Bagley, then inks by Andrew Hennessy, and colors by Nolan Woodard. The original X-Men continued their battle against the Blob. What I like about this is Dennis uses a different kind of narrative structure in order to give a little bit more depth on each of these characters. So what happens is every page you switch narrators. If Edie's doing something, Edie's narrating. If Iceman's doing something, Iceman's narrating, and so on and so forth. So we get Edie kind of, and it's all framed around them having this fight with the blob. There's not a lot of talking. There's just a lot of exposition through narrative. It's very clever on Dennis Hopeless's part. Uh, and Mark Bagley's able to work around it seamlessly with his art because he's a true professional. So you've got Edie kind of questioning her faith because she's trying to save Notre Dame. We have Iceman using his powers and also expressing how easy it is for him to do the X-Men side of his life, but the Bobby Drake side of his life is not so good. Then Cyclops musing about how the Blob is different now than he was back in their day and how they need to adapt to the future. Beast feeling kind of inadequate, thinking about how his future self has done all this stuff and invented all these things, and he feels a step behind. Laura and Angel both basically thinking about the breakup they just had, and Laura wondering why Warren would do this to her. Warren not understanding why she doesn't understand it's a lot of good teen angst stuff and then like i said this fight with the blob is going on the whole time another original brotherhood of evil mutants member shows up and the way the person who defeats blob finally defeats him is gross it's great it's grisly but it's an effective way to beat the blob and it shows that there's more than one or even two powerhouses on this team it's a really fun book and really nice little dive by Dennis Hopeless into doing the exposition in a cool fun way and like getting you to know these characters really well getting you know his take on these characters yeah alright we've got Captain Marvel number 3 written by Michelle Fazekas and Tara Butters yeah but before you do that let's talk about Astonishing Ant-Man number 6 alphabetically Uh, you're up next written by Nick Spencer guest art by Anna Paola Martello with colors by Jordan Boyd this is a stature spotlight issue Uh, stature of course is the former codename of Cassie Lang who has decided she wants to get back into the hero game. And the way she's going to do that is by infiltrating Hench, 
the app for supervillains. She's going to pretend to become a supervillain so she can get her powers back. So this issue is all about Cassie. Um, we've seen her kind of in the background of Scott's adventures. We've seen her, you know, being the damsel in distress. We've seen her being basically just, you know, an object almost for for Scott to move around. Protect. Yeah, we really get to see her as a person here. And remember that she used to be a young Avenger. Speaking of which, Kate Bishop's in this issue. Kate Bishop is excellent in this issue. And she gives a little encouragement to Cassie on what she could be doing next. And they get into an adventure together. And that's what prompts Cassie to say, you know what? I got to get my powers back. I got to do it by any means necessary. But while I'm doing it, I can also take down this threat and she gets a new name and she gets a new costume but for longtime readers both will be familiar yeah all right uh oh what i wanted to ask or mm. mention mm-hmm. uh during when you were talking about all new x-men do you think blob eats human flesh like if he does he get so hungry where he's just gonna eat people i don't i don't think so i think he has a refined palate that's the whole thing i mean he'll eat a lot of what he likes and he likes a lot of stuff he likes exotic meats but I did. But I did notice that. Yeah, every every time anyone's fighting the blob, they're like, "Oh no, he's going to eat me," which which strikes me as a little bit insensitive. Hmm. You know, just because he's a huskier guy, like really husky, <laughs> doesn't mean he's going to eat you, a human being. It's really it's 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 more fat shaming. I don't like it. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Blob on life. On to Captain Marvel number three. Uh, as I said, written by Michelle, <clears throat> Michelle Fazekas and Tara Butters. You did say that. I did. Art by Chris Anka and Felipe Smith. Colors by Matt Wilson. So something's up. Something's wrong with Carol Danvers. A lot is wrong. We open up and she is in the middle of a war zone. Uh, the first words of this issue are, something's not right. Mm-hmm. And you better believe it. Boy, is that prophetic. Yeah, she's wearing uh, a Cree uh, soldier uniform. Um, and we realize, boom, she was dreaming. She was having a crazy nightmare, a very real feeling nightmare. Mm-hmm. But she's she really is not well. She's weak. She's uh, a bit depowered. And... Um, not only is she having these nightmares, she's also dealing with all the crazy stuff going on on uh, within Alpha Flight right now. Uh, quick aside, there's an introduction of a doctor who is in this issue, yeah. which is a cat in a robot flying suit who speaks through the robot suit. So we hope to see more of that. Yeah, my favorite new character, <laughs> without a doubt. The new character find of 2016? Yeah, you, you could say that again. The new character find of 2016? Yes. Uh, but we've got... Uh, we're digging a lot deeper into the mysteries that we've been uncovering the first two issues with the Satori and the you know really weird ship that they found that had all the uh, the Kree and slash Captain Marvel insignia in there. Um, and then something bad is, is happening because they, they docked with this ship, the Alpha Flight base. Um, Something's up with the the ship, and it's infecting the station. Stuffs just start going starts going wrong. Uh, things are exploding. Carol's getting knocked out. Um, she's fighting with Brand. Uh, all kinds of crazy stuff. And I realize, thankfully, that there's uh, some method to this madness. There are some things that are starting to piece together, uh, but that doesn't make it easy for them to to deal with. Because on the way to Alpha Flight is another death ship that basically says we want to kill you, more or less. All right. Uh, speaking of killing, we've got Deadpool and the Mercs for Money, number two, written by Cullen Bunn, art by Salva Espin, colors by Guru FX. Uh, what I got to say right up front, huge pop 
I had for Puma. Mm. You never Always see Puma. Always nice to see old Thomas Fireheart. So good. I love. I remember when we were kids. I had Puma's actual trading card. We were both children. I was like an infant. <laughs> anyway, I had Puma's uh, trading card, yeah. and I was always like, "This guy looks awesome. He's yeah. running real fast. He looks cool. He's got crazy." Puma hair. always, yeah, he always looked cool, and he was always like, I, I didn't know anything about him other than the fact that he was kind of a bad guy, but kind of a good guy, which I think they kind of carry over into here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's uh, kind of a good guy, but also kind of a jerk. Yeah. The theme is there's a lot of jerks. A lot in this of jerks. Issue. This is the issue of jerks. Yeah. Speaking of jerks, we've got Taskmaster all up in this. Jerkmaster. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's all revolved around this Rigelian Recorder, which is future space robot tech thing. It's like that nasty robot that Iron Man was hanging around up back in space during Kieran Gillen's run. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's like a brother, sister, cousin of it, right? Yeah, right. Um, we've got that, and uh, everybody's after it. Deadpool's trying to figure out, one, what's its deal, has his people on it, but two, who wants to buy it and how they can you know, turn a profit on this or at least get some uh, information and, and plus up the Mercs for money. Uh, then then uh, you, we get to the scene where Deadpool and Slapstick are fighting this crew of Crime Master, Jagged Arrow, mm-hmm. um, Death Shield, and there was Blood blo- Spider. Blood Spider. Blood Spider is legit. I remember him showing up in Spider Man back in the day. The other two, uh, well, Crime Master for sure. He's, Crime Master he's is legit. Yeah, but um, Jagged Sha- Arrow, Jagged Arrow, and Death Shield may or may not be new edition. Death Shield is my favorite. He looks like a uh, uh, Hercules knockoff. Mm. Uh, they the caption Deadpool's uh, synopsis of him is Captain America for the Sunday 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 crowd, yeah. also a jerk. Uh, it's terrific. There's uh, a fight and obviously Deadpool and Slapstick can handle themselves nicely, readily. Uh, there's lots of little interludes with the various members of the Mercs for Money going off and talking to different people. We got really awesome Mephisto action in here. Uh, uh, just a whole bunch of really cool things as we're furthering along what the hell is going on. And by the end, it's a return of a character from uh, the, one of the previous Deadpool series. Mm-hmm. Really twisted and messed up thing, which should be fun to watch that unfold. Also fun to watch and fun to read is Extraordinary X-Men number 8, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Umberto Ramos in the first story, art by Victor Ibanez in the second story. The first story kicks off the long-awaited Apocalypse Wars storyline. As you can see on the front cover here by Umberto Ramos, Apocalypse's big angry head is screaming at the X-Men. Apocalypse does not actually show up in this issue, but we do have Storm and Old Man Logan doing some bonding time. Uh, Not sure where that's leading. If that's going to lead to a little... Ivory-haired <laughs> boom room action. Um, Will they take bone, it to the bone zone? Little bone zone. Uh, I don't know. That could be. I don't. I don't know if Wolverine. I, what can Old Man Logan do in terms of bone zone? He's got those bone claws, but I don't know if he can. I mean, he had two children, and they weren't that old. No. It's just, I don't know if. I, can he still pop the claws on his own? I bet. Is he what could. I'm saying. I bet he could. Well, Forge doesn't like any of it. Rightfully as, so. As Forge's sole function is to pine after Storm, <laughs> uh, he does not. He does not enjoy it. They've got a funny new energy signature. Um, it says that 600 new mutants have just been born in China, which is odd because because of the Terrigen mists, no new mutants can be born, let alone 600 all in one spot. So Colossus takes the kids he's been training, Anoli, Glob, Herman and Ernst, and they go and check out what's going on in China. 
they end up fighting one of your favorites, the Sugar Man. Sugar Man is all over this issue. Oh, he's so great. Look at him. You know what's, what's, what's cool? You rarely ever see Sugar Man grow. Yeah. You usually see him shrink shrinks. down to get away, but he can do both. I feel like also you rarely ever see Sugar Man in action. He's usually a, a manipulator. Yeah. But here he holds his own against Colossus he and Sentinel and his team. Numerous arms, mm-hmm. lots of teeth. Very dangerous. It's great. He's a dangerous individual. Uh, unfortunately, when the for him, when the full complement of X-Men show up, he is no match for them. And screw with them, he sends part of their number into the future, so then everyone else has to follow using the time machine they uh, have in Cerebra, and they find grown-up versions of the kids. It's awesome. And then they are confronted with a new incarnation of an old team. And that's going to lead to all sorts of apocalypse going on. Yeah. Meanwhile, in the backup story, Magic takes Sapna, the newest recruit to the X-Men, the new student, to visit Doctor Strange for a little bit of a checkup to learn about what her mystical deal is. They end up fighting a crazy monster, and there's a revelation on the last page about who exactly the monster is at. Dun, dun, dun. All right. We've got the Infinity Entity, number two. Did wow. we just read number one last week? Yeah, it's coming out weekly. Pop, 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 pop. Like that. It's dense, man. Dude. I felt like I just took a class. Yeah. A school class. <laughs> a uh, class in school. Uh, in all the best ways. This is written by all Jim Starlin. All the best Starling, ways. Art by Alan Davis and Mark Farmer with colors by Will Quintana. Uh, first up, in betweener, right on the front page. Yep. Boom, you know boom. how to hook me, Jim yeah. Starlin. Throw in the in-betweener. Get real funky with it. Uh, mm. Because that's what happens. This shiz gets funky. Adam Warlock's like, what is going on? Inbetweener's like, you know what's going on. Yeah. Are you crazy? You're we crazy. Are, we are in between. What's happening on? Ugh. And he's like freaking out and then boom, Inbetweener goes pop. And then Adam Warlock's like, I don't know what's going on. I'm going to go. I'm going to look for my pal Thanos. Where's my pal Thanos? My good buddy Thanos. And then he's like, oh, Thanos is not alive. He is headless. Headless. Headless Thanos. Who could do that to Thanos? I don't know. Anyway. I bet we'll have to read another original graphic novel to find out. Uh, he goes shooting around and, like, I don't want to pretty much do anything, go anywhere, but he's still, like, trying to figure out this mystery. He finds Galactus's house, which is not a house. It's a giant, crazy a spaceship. spaceship. And Alan Davis draws the hell out of sure it. Sure does. Oh, does my a great God. Job. It is bonkers. It's like beautiful Kirby-esque weird wonderfulness and then we get to see Galactus is dead what Mm. the hell is going on Thanos Uh, Galactus who could be doing such a thing on and on stuff's going around as Adam Warlock is trying to figure out what's going on uh, where he is or when he is. Bum, bum, bum. And uh, we get to see more of Thanos more of a whole bunch of things by the end it's crazy there's this two page spread that is beautiful it's some old school infinity for you right it's just it's like straight out of infinity gauntlet number five Mm -hmm. uh i love it so much it's so weird so cool so big and crazy something so big and crazy naturally leads to the discussion of a big launch this week a big crazy launch international iron man number one the second ongoing Iron Man series written by Brian Michael Bendis. This time around he's got art by Alex Malev. He's got colors by Paul Mounts and he is going to town. This is the big epic widescreen adventures of Iron Man. In the first splash double page spread we see Iron Man defeated 
on his back, taken out by a bunch of armored new goodniks over in the Soviet Union, in Bulgaria. And then we flash back to 20 years ago. And this is actually, this whole issue is a story of young Tony Stark at the University of Cambridge and, of course, him meeting a girl. And this is just... It's been this movie, man. It's them doing what they do best. It's talking, getting some insight into who Tony Stark was as a young man, getting some insight into his relationship with his father, getting this great new character, Cassandra, them kind of having a little love connection, and it feels very natural. It feels very real. It feels very earnest. He goes to meet her family. Some things go awry. Uh, Hydra gets involved. And then, bam, we flash back to the present where... Tony is still out of commission in his armor, but a surprising new friend or foe has joined the scene to potentially take him out. Yeah, I love that book. It was fun. So good. Uh, all right, Kanan number 12. This is... Uh, this is it. This is it. This is the end of the road. This is the end of the road. For Kanan, uh, it's written by Greg Weissman, art by Andrea Brocardo, colors by David Curiel. And uh, this wraps up the Kanan comics. It ties into not just the the Star Wars Rebels cartoon, but also there's a novel that is referenced in here that, uh, like, characters that are involved in all kinds of stuff. It's super cool if you're knee-deep in all the Star Wars lore. Uh, the novel in question is A New Dawn. Hmm. Uh, if you are not and you're just reading the comics like me, it's cool because you get to and see... And me. Yes. Fine. And Lexi. Yeah. Yeah, she don't said, have a, she says have, yes. You don't have a voice. Yeah. Uh, we get to see um, all these things sort of come together. Kanan is out of the Bakta tank. Uh, we're all set in the present day as opposed to flashing back. Uh, we get to see, you know, someone else from Kanan's past show up, but really wrapping everything up here and sending us uh, into uh, space and, and more into Rebels. So uh, Space if, and whatnot. If you're digging the comic, definitely go continue to check out the TV show. Alright. On to Power Man and Iron Fist. I was so excited when I saw this right. in our in our pull list. There's something that just filled me with like, oh, I'm going to get to read such a fun crazy comic yeah. Power Man and Iron Fist is my new like feel good comic of the the cinch of the cinch of the are you listening to a lot of of Cheap course Heat? I am Cheap <laughs> Heat's my favorite wrestling podcast yes that I'm not on yes uh, Power Man and Iron Fist number two written by David Walker art by Sanford Green colors by Lee Lowridge that's a killer creative team yeah um, anyway uh, one of the things I noticed about this it feels dense. Mm-hmm. It feels like... It's a read, man. It's a, it's long, and it feels like there's a lot going on in all the best ways that I'm like, wow, this is a hefty, good comic book. There's a lot to dig into. There's all kinds of stuff between... You've got uh, Danny and Luke who have their little tit-for-tat going on because <laughs> Danny wants things back to them you know, adventuring. Luke does not want that. It's kind of a nice change of pace because usually you think of Iron Fist as being the, you know, the wise, calm martial artist. But yeah. here, he's just... You know, a buddy who wants his friend back. And Luke is the family man who has other responsibilities. It works out nicely. Yeah. Uh, you've got 
who are these jokers? Uh, two of uh, Tombstone's henchmen, yep. Henry Reaper Manigo and Gilbert Grim Manigo. Together, they're the Grim Reaper. Yeah, uh, they're terrific. They just have these fa- face paint on, and they're like trailing mm-hmm. Iron Ma- Iron Fist and uh, Power Man, and there's there's just really great comic relief in here. Uh, we also get awesome uh, fight between uh, Danny Luke and Gorilla Man and yes. Black Tarantula. Yes, uh, Gorilla Man. The the stuff that the dialogue between Gorilla Man and Luke terrific. You get cameos by Spider Woman and Spider Woman mm-hmm. uh, two. I will let you figure out which two when you read the book. Uh, but there's just so much going on. It's a lot of fun. The crux of this is tied to in the first issue. Uh, they helped get their friend and former uh, co-worker Jenny out of prison. She asked them to get back her grandmother's necklace. Boom. That was a ruse. A lie. Uh, she was stealing something a from hoax. Uh, Black Mariah from Tombstone. And uh, now... Danny and Luke are getting wise to that. So it's a bit about tracking that, tracking the ladies down and trying to figure out how they fix the situation. By the end of the issue, they uh, will eventually have to fix a much more dangerous situation if they get to it. Dangerous is a great word to describe the Scarlet Witch in the fourth issue of her own ongoing series written by James Robinson. Art and colors by Chris Visions uh, with a little bit of art by Steve Dillon and a little bit of colors by Vero Gandini. Um, mostly this this issue takes place on Witch's Road, which is this creepy interdimensional crossroads that witches can access. And time has no power here. And geography has no power here. So Scarlet Witch is investigating who has been behind all the attacks on her. She meets her mom, uh, her true mother, for the first time. Um first time we've seen her in a, in a while i don't know they've uh I, I don't remember ever that's well she says her last name is maximoff which means she's her her gypsy mother uh which means she probably has shown up at some point but has not been a prominent figure at all okay so this is by far her lengthiest appearance and that's kind of cool but mostly what this is all about is scarlet witch meeting her new arch enemy the emerald warlock i love this so much this whole interaction between them emerald warlock is great he is we, we met him initially in the uncanny avengers annual then he's been behind the scenes in scarlet witch and i like that chris visions art just makes it look like this sort of weird it's like a dream yeah. It's like you're seeing this weird, like, fleeg state. Um, and it's, it's, it's excellent. The art is tremendous. We find out um, what Warlock's plans are, what he wants to do. And he flat out just says, he goes, you've never had an arch nemesis. And now I am your arch nemesis. Yeah. Also, I'm Irish and I hate Ireland. That's his whole deal. He wants to destroy Ireland for some jerk. sort of crazy revenge. So Scarlet Witch, it's up to her to stop him. She's got Agatha Harkness in her corner and... This is just basically, it's like the first round of what you can tell is going to be a lengthy feud between the two of these these two incredibly powerful witches. Um, and, yeah. Crazy stuff That's it, the right? Crazy. Crazy yeah. at the end. Yes. What a, what a ride. Uh, speaking of rides, we've got Silk, number six, written by Robbie Thompson, art by Tana Ford, colors by Ian Herring. Uh, so this is Silk's book, but I was thinking about this book in terms of Black Cat. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're playing the Black Cat role-playing game, uh, this is a big moment for her. This is, like, a huge level up, clearing the decks, putting all your pieces out there and saying, I'm in charge. Uh, I've just won a huge victory. And she is... Uh, 
she's a badass. Like, Black Cat is dangerous. She's super smart. She's very determined. And she's not always on the wrong side of the law. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's on the wrong side of the law, but she's doing things that aren't just like world domination and killing people to kill people. Yeah. There's some good stuff in there uh, that she is trying to, you know, deal with. Yeah, she's I mean, she was good help. for a long time. That yeah. doesn't just go away. No. And uh, it just so happens that she wants she's in it for herself a little bit more than anything else. But means to an end. Uh, all that said, Silk is here. Now, Silk is basically Black Cat says, I want you all in. You're my number two. Killer Shrike is a jobber. Mm-hmm. Uh, Got jobbed out. We're taking out the Goblin King. He's a jobber. Throw him off a roof. Uh, it's, it's just pretty great watching all this happen and seeing uh, Cindy Moon try to reconcile all these different things from you know aligning herself with Black Cat for the greater good but it's like any you know all those the classic going undercover story it's gonna affect you in some way shape or form um yeah, you've got that. Uh, you've got some really interesting stuff with her going through therapy, with Cindy going through therapy and trying to deal with her life outside of the Black Cat and Shield and Mockingbird and Spider Woman and all this stuff, and some dancing, which is great. Let's dance our way over to Spider Woman number five, written by Dennis Hopeless, art by Javier Rodriguez, inks by Alvaro Lopez, colors by Rachel Rosenberg. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Spider-Woman is one of the best comics we're publishing, and I could read 20 issues of the one that came out this week. It was excellent. And it is not at all a superhero comic. It's superhero in the sense that the main character sometimes dresses up in a costume and is friends with She-Hulk and Captain Marvel. But really, it's about the fact that Jessica Drew just had a baby, and she is adjusting to being a mom. And we get... First of all, just this packed dialogue. You can tell this is just Dennis Hopeless relating his own experiences, but masterfully doing it in Jessica's voice. So we get to see this character who we've known over many years and the frustration and the joy and all the emotion she's going through. And it's just, it's funny. It's heartfelt. It's continuing on. She's out on the street with Hawkeye. Her relationships with all the different heroes are just cool. And... um, seeing what Captain Marvel's up to, seeing what happens when Jessica tries to go out for a night on the town, seeing the role that Porcupine plays in the whole thing. So great. Which is wonderful. And I don't know, it's just like, I don't have kids myself, but my best friend just had a kid two years ago, and I'm, he lives close to me, so I see a lot of it. And this rang true. Like, a lot of this stuff, what she's going through, the emotion she feels when she has to leave her kid, the trouble and everything and then goes back over to here and uh ben urich i'm doing a bad job setting it up because if i would i would just read this verbatim on the air and just read every letter of it but it's very long it's very dense and it ends with the new status quo for spider woman that she's going to be this mom who's also out there fighting crime and she's going to try to balance these things and i'm really excited to see it yeah. I think this is also one of those books that in a couple of years people are going to look back and go, whoa. Yeah. They were doing some really great stuff storytelling-wise. Uh, they were building characters in a really interesting way. It's it's, it's going to stand out. Yeah. And it's going to stand the test of time. And I have to seriously, before I go on this, praise Javier Rodriguez. Because basically what Dennis Hopeless asks of him is not, 
all right, you're going to draw 20 pages of superhero battles, but we're going to have to do two pages of, you know, just like life stuff. It's mostly, it's, it's the reverse. It's maybe two pages of action and 20 pages of just changing diapers, talking to friends, going out to a bar, just mundane stuff that Javier Rodriguez makes look so beautiful and he he plays with it and he has fun with it and he makes this a great memorable issue I loved it yeah it's not a boring book in the least Mm -hmm. and that's credit to those guys alright we've got Squadron Supreme number 5 this uh, wraps up the first story arc Uh, you've got your squadron Uh, they find out that someone in their midst was like fully a traitor makes me so angry (laughs) why do you gotta betray people (laughs) whoa yeah Uh, loyalty is important to me totally uh, you've got the squadron uh, captured and freeing themselves, uh, f- getting some fight on, uh, finding ways to overcome the things that are stopping them. You get to see some cool power-up action for some of them. Uh, and most importantly, Dr. Druid's all up in this Dr. Issue. Druid. Uh, Dr. Druid. I love Dr. Druid so yes, much. you do. As you know. You're his number one fan. Yeah. And uh, this, you know, it's one of those things It's like... He may not win the day, but he sure don't lose it. Yeah. It's great. That's the Druid way. Yeah. Never winning, but not quite losing. Exactly. That's how Dr. Druid does it. (laughs) It's good enough for him. It's good enough for us. Exactly. Uh, But it's cool. You get to see Squadron maybe picking up a new member by the end. Ooh, la la. And uh, diving back so they can head back to Earth. Also set on Earth, at least in part, is Starbrand and Nightmass number four, written by Greg Weissman, art by Domo Stanton with Danielle DiGanulo, uh, colors by Jordan Boyd and Rochelle Rosenberg. When last we left our heroes, Starbrand was in the Arctic fighting against Graviton, Nitro, and Blizzard. Nightmask had gone to the cos- most cosmic reaches of space, trying to find out why eternity has sicked these villains and powered them up and there is something to do with eternity there is something to do with a mysterious blind character uh there's a lot of stuff going on there's a crazy fight starbrand brings the action night mask brings the kind of philosophical bent of the whole thing but there's also cool stuff about them still being in college and starbrand having a crush and stuff going on on the Cree world and their first college party it's like the party stuff is just as fun as the superhero stuff this is another book in which we get that nice balance and by the way second appearance this week of the in-betweener yeah in-betweener is on fire in 2016 yeah i think he i, I think he actually shows up no, in he another does. book that we read this week yep. but that book is actually for next so week so much in-betweener so we could have had an in-betweener three-peat an in-betweener triad yeah uh, a three-way in-betweener. Yep. Triangle in-betweener. Yeah. Whatever. It was a great week for the in-betweener. Always a great week for the in-betweener. Yeah. So from Starbrand, we go to Star Lord hmm. number five. Uh, this is the last chapter of uh, year one, From Earth to the Star Lord, written by Sam Humphreys, art by Javier Garon, colors by Antonio Fabela. And I'm going to say this right now. The, you better be up on your Javier Garon. Yeah. That dude's going to break He's going out. places. Uh, and this is like one of those issues. It's just like you, you really see why. I see him as the same way. He reminds me of Russell Dowderman on Cyclops, where yeah. you can tell he was right on the cusp. Yeah, like whatever. Going huge. If he stays on this, he's just going to keep huge. elevating it. If he goes to another book, it's going to be huge. Whatever he's doing, it's it's working. Ridiculous. He's so good. This is the big Star-Lord issue where uh, you get to see him... 
turn that corner. It's the big Star is Lord gonna, issue of Star Lord. Yes. Uh, is he going to be a total douche uh, to everyone, or maybe just kind of? Yeah, half a douche. And uh, I think for our sake and for the Star Lord, we we sort of come to know through the movies, the cartoon, and in the last couple of years establishing in the books, um, he's got to be a little bit good, a little bit bad. Uh, good heart. Sometimes he makes some weird, you know, some bad choices. But in this one, uh, some really cool stuff. I love what Sam and company have set set up here in terms of, you know, like clearing Star-Lord's origin, saying this, 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 and this. This is how it all works out, and this is where he goes. And uh, it's great. It puts Star-Lord in a perfect place to pick him up because I think uh, once we get into the next issue, it's back. Yeah, it's back into normal time. Yeah, back in normal time, just like Uncanny and Humans number six is, written by Charles Soule, art by Brandon Peterson, colors by Java Tartaglia. This picks up where we left off last time in the quiet room with three separate emergencies going on. We've got some, like, I don't know, this is like their version of UFC, these these fighters, these uh, lava men and moloids are rolling oh around. Oh my god, I love that so much. There's a championship belt! Yeah, there is a championship belt. We've also got the Enelux Corporation, uh, their property has been stolen, and then finally, Mad Thinker and Leader are playing this like game of poker chicken, where they're putting nuclear devices on the table and daring each other to try to disassemble them. So Black Bolt obviously can't have, handle all these situations at once. He uses his team... He delegates responsibility. He goes and takes care of the two guys fighting with the championship belt, which leads to greatness. Uh, Medusa calls in Nur, Frank McGee, to help out Weir in looking for the missing Enelux. And we get to see what Frank McGee is, um, his, his new social situation in regards to, since last time we saw him, when he lost his partner. And that's a very interesting twist. And then... ISO is the one who takes the lead on handling the leader and Mad Thinker situation, and that's pretty fun how she gets to it. Then we've also got Ahura off on his own, and the only thing that really doesn't get resolved by the end of the issue is where Analux's property is, and it turns out it is in the hands of not a new villain, but a returning villain who will mean no good for our heroes. Yeah. All right. Last book of the week is Web Warriors. Web Warriors. Number five. Written by Mike Costa. Art by David Baldion, Walden Wong, Roger, uh, Roberto Poggi, and Jason Keith. Uh, this is the final throwdown, at least for now. For now. Between um, our Web Warriors and the um, the army of electros. I, they had a name. I can't remember. The battery, I believe. Yes, the battery. Yeah. Uh, it's super cool. It's, they're fighting on multiple fronts as um, Spider-Woman, Gwen Stacy, and the uh, Spider-Man, who is uh, the Uncle Ben, are off in one dimension with the uh, Young Avengers version of Dr. Octopus. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're trying to find a way to get back to the rest of the crew, who uh, the rest of the Web Warriors are fighting near insurmountable odds you've got uh marvel universe electro who is a total just dum-dum <laughs> he's just he's so he's is that marvel idiot. universe i think electro? so right well i, th- I guess maybe no, I not think i think he's just some electro. he's just another electro just another electro yeah. sucker poor dude uh you've got a modok electro a dinosaur electro pig electro i mean there's so many great versions of electros in here it's really great i want to see more of them but uh they the spider 
crew, the Web Warriors, have to get back to Earth-001 to get back to the Web of Life and, and really, like, get themselves situated and uh, free themselves from the battery. So they're big throwdown where two members of the crew seemingly don't come home yeah which is uh whoa it's pretty heavy it's heavy stuff man very heavy stuff in here um we will we get some hints that maybe it's not the end for them hopefully uh, we'll see we'll find out uh and at the end we get to see that the web of life is expansive and there's much more to see as we go along Swim of the week. What do you got? Oh my gosh! I don't know. It's a tough one. Let me go first. Yeah, yeah, you go. I'm going Spider Woman. Mm, no question. Yeah. Spider Woman was very good. There were a lot of good yeah. books this week. I'm um, still enjoying Power Man and Iron Fist a lot. Uh, I really liked some of the. I liked International Iron Man's debut, but Spider Woman to me was a cut above. Whew. Captain Marvel's up there for me, along mm. with Spider Woman. I think I'm going to give it to International Iron Man. It was right. a solid debut and, and, and big time. Big yeah. time. Good stuff to read this week. Ryan, let's go to you with the collections on sale. Yes. Let's see. Uh, pull up the list. We've got Captain America and the Falcon by Christopher Priest. Complete collection. Mm. Yeah, it's Love me great. some Christopher Priest. Totally. Captain America Omnibus Volume 2 hardcover. Uh, Captain America, oh, two versions of that. Uh, that looks like some classic stuff uh, back in the day. Uh, Civil War, Fantastic Four, new printing. Civil War Frontline, Civil War X-Men. Luke Cage, Second Chances, hmm. Volume 2. Uh, Marvel Masterworks, Mighty Thor, Volume 15. Uh, Stephen King's Dark Tower, Drawing of the Three, Lady of Shadows, trade paperback. And the big one, Secret Wars hardcover comes out this week. Oh, so if you miss Secret Wars, uh, don't What are you re- doing? Yeah, what are you doing? Where have you been? Who are you? <laughs> Digital comics on sale this week. Everything we mentioned as well as Amazing Spider-Man and Silk, The Spider-Fly Effect, Infinite Comic number 5, Daredevil Punisher, Seventh Circle, Infinite Comic number 2, Marvel Universe Guardians of the Galaxy, Infinite Comic number 8. Also on the app this week, Defenders 62 through 64 from the original 1972 series, Doctor Strange number 14 from the 1974 series, Excalibur, Sword is Drawn number 1, Fantastic Four, original series 180 through 214, as well as annual number 12, Iron Man, Golden Avenger number Number one, Marvel Two and One Annual Number Three, Nova Thirteen through Twenty Five from the Nineteen Seventy Six series, Spider Man Funeral for an Octopus. I always love that title. Yeah. One through three, Thor Original Series One Ninety through Two Twenty Nine, Tomb of Dracula Number Forty Four, Venom Number Eleven through Eighteen from the Two Thousand Three series, and finally Web of Spider Man One Twenty One and One Twenty Two. Oh, no. We also got digital collections on sale this week. Avengers Masterworks Volume 12, Doctor Strange vs. Dracula, The Montessi Formula. I don't even know what that is. Uh, Excalibur Classic Volume 1, Luke Cage Second Chances Volume 2, Nova Classic Volumes 2 and 3, Nice. Secret Wars in collection, uh, Spider-Man The Complete Clone Saga Epic vol- uh, Book 2, and Thor Masterworks Volume 5. 15. And Volume 15, that's what I said. 15. 15. One in front of the five means 15. All right. Freshly digitized this week, uh, we've got a whole bunch. We've got Daredevil number 70, number 105, 106, and 107 from the original run. So we're filling in more gaps there, uh, as well as 
this is out of order, so I apologize. Mm-hmm. I'm pulling this up on my phone because we didn't have it on our sheets. So Daredevil 252, Daredevil 99, Daredevil 54, 55, 56, 57. Then we've got X-Men 92, 7 and 8, the Infinite Comics there. I think that might wrap that up. Uh, we've got Planet Hulk number 5, Quake, Shield 50th Anniversary number 1, mm, Red Skull one. number 3, Secret Wars 2099 number 5, Siege number 3, Age of Apocalypse number 4, and Agent Carter Shield 50th Anniversary number one. That is a lot. Uh, Ben, let's go to the news. And now, from Marvel Headquarters, it's This Week in Marvel News. News this week, we are continuing to count down to Civil War II with a bunch of cool Phil Noto art pieces. I know you've been peeping those, Ryan. What do you think? I think they are beautiful. They are very beautiful. That Kamala Khan one. Great. Uh, Great stuff. I posted that one specifically. Uh, people are losing it. Yeah, they're really going nuts about the Kamala Khan one where yeah. she is ripping up a picture of Captain Marvel. Uh, there's other great ones featuring Old Man Logan, She-Hulk, Black Panther, all sorts of different characters. Another thing we're counting down to is Black Panther, the new ongoing series. And for that, we had Tim Stevens take a look back at important Black Panther stories from the past. He did a great job with that. We also had a sketchbook, which TJ Deach headed up, uh, Black Panther sketchbook with Brian Stelfreeze art. Some really beautiful stuff. Uh, this is going to be such a good-looking book. It's incredible. Meanwhile, over in games, we've got a new spec op going down in Avengers Alliance where you can win Cami from... Uh, Avengers, uh, Avengers, Arena, Arena. Was it Arena? Avengers yeah. Arena and Avengers Undercover. You can get Cami. Uh, there's a Gamma event going on in Avengers Academy where you can get A Bomb and Red Hulk. I already failed to get A Bomb, but I think I might be able to get Red Hulk. We'll see. Lots of stuff going on. Games, comics, everything. Hot dog. Uh, did you mention Lego Marvel superheroes? Lego Marvel superheroes. Civil War. Civil War. Yeah, we, the Civil War content is yeah. now available. So check so, that out whole bunch of new characters mm-hmm. we're gonna kick it over to Strami and the Wolfman this is it for us this is it so thanks guys for listening to us for a little bit yeah uh, this means we get done super early this is great I can eat lunch today they should do this every time totally uh, and so reminders uh, they're gonna give you their news they're gonna give you Twim URC uh, which is about uh, some Daredevil comics and mm-hmm. um, then I'm going to uh, cook up a new Twim URC for them to uh, pass along to you. Yeah, so stay tuned to the end of the episode to find out what that is. Uh, and we'll be back next week. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, baby. Yeah. Hello there, this week in Marvelites. This is Marvel.com editor Mark Strom, joined by... Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh. For another thrilling installment of the Strommy and the Wolfman show, starring the Wolfman and Strommy. We got a ton of stuff this week, and we've got uh, Twim URC, West Coast Edition, so we're going to just get right to it. Of course, this week, the big news, as you're listening to this... Well, if you're listening to this on Thursday, Marvel's Daredevil Season 2 is just hours away. If you're listening to it after Thursday, uh, stop listening and just go watch Marvel's Daredevil Season 2. And then come back here and listen. So, oh, how about the end when Daredevil's head fell off? Oh, my. Whoops. It was whoopie doopie. Told you to watch the show. I, ne- I never thought they'd incorporate that old fairy tale about the girl that had her head sewn on, you know? Yep. Yeah, and then turn her into Daredevil. Yep. Oh, boy. 
as a as a real plot twist there. So season two season premieres two, yeah. only on Netflix on Friday. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna do the rest of this uh, podcast. Please, dear God, no. This <laughs> accent. Uh, we also got, uh, oh, don't you know, some interviews uh, from uh, from the Marvel's Daredevil red carpet. Yeah. All right. I I grew up around too many Minnesotans to put up with that for very long. Love you, Minnesotans. Anyway, uh, we have interviews from the red carpet that we'll be posting soon. We'll be rolling those out over the next week. We talked with all the stars, or rather Mr. Blake Garris did. Blake Garris on the on the red carpet. Should I talk like... All right, I'm kind this all out. Um, <laughs> we, we also had a new trailer, a very, very excellent new trailer in my opinion... Uh, but who cares about that trailer when you can just watch the well, show? I'd say still watch the trailer because it's actually a really awesome trailer. Uh, and that wasn't all we had in the past week. We also announced the uh, premiere date for Marvel's Luke Cage. That's right. It will be coming to Netflix on September 30th. Mike Coulter announced that from the uh, Marvel's Daredevil red carpet. You can watch a cut down of all the shenanigans that went on there. Uh, hosted by our very own Lorraine Sink. Check it out on uh, Marvel.com or all of our social handles, at Marvel, at Daredevil, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what else we got in the world of television? We had new Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're definitely back in the thick of it. This week brought Adrian Coulson. Adrian Coulson. Adrian, Adrian Pazdar back as General Glenn Talbot. He is the new head of the uh, ATCU. Do you, do you think Adrian Pazdar and Adrian Palicki get confused on set all the time? No, because one of them's a guy and one of them Like the director's like, hey, Adrian, we need you for this scene. Also, also then, you correctly pronounce it Adrian and Adrienne. They're, they're, they're I don't two, care. They're too different. It's subtle. I know you're not subtly in nuance. No. But if some – but Steven Spielberg, who's directed every episode of Marvel's Agents of – Shield. I don't think that's true. He just says, Oi! Because he's a famous Australian director. Oi! Oi, Adrian! I don't. Come on down to the set! I think you're thinking of George Miller, and George Miller has also not directed an episode of Marvel's Agents. Yes, Shield. the one Australian director is George Miller. Well, I was going to go with that or Joe Edgerton. Or I guess, wait, did he direct? Yeah, no, he did direct, but his brother Nash Edgerton also directs. They're both excellent. And my favorite Australian actor is Yahoo Serious. All right. So, uh, all new Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I talked with Adrian in This Week in Marvel's Agents of Pazdar S.H.I.E.L.D. Pazdar or Palicki? I said Adrian, not Adrienne. Yeah, but you talk funny. Ugh. Um, uh, so, you can listen to that now. We'll have some clips coming up from next week's big episode, which promises to change the team forever and in more marvel's agents of shield news we announced that the cast and creators will be at wondercon right here in sunny los angeles uh wondercon happens march 25th through the 27th we will be there the saturday march 26th we have a panel with the casting creators that will be at 3 p.m 2 p.m pacific 2 to 3.30, and then there will be a 
signing uh, from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. You can get more details on how you can get involved in all that um, on marvel.com. And we also have an exclusive poster uh, that we will be debuting at. Well, we already have debuted online, but we will have it at, uh, at and we'll be, we'll be at WonderCon. Um, I think that is it. For me, what do you have, Patrick? New episode of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy at 8 a.m. this Sunday on Disney XD. New episode of Marvel's Avengers Ultron Revolution this Sunday at 8.30 a.m. on Disney XD. Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man versus the Sinister Six. New episode at 9 a.m. Eastern Time this Sunday on Disney XD. Hear more about it and hear about my emails in just a few moments. No, maybe in a few moments. Eh, Just keep listening to this podcast and you'll hear even more about those animated episodes with Harrison don't call me Harry Wilcox Harrison clean shaven Wilcox yes all right well then all right that about is that that about is that wow five minutes Patrick when when we did all that in five minutes um it's a new record now of course we're going to jump into this week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club. Do, do they ever say it like that, or is it just Twim URC? I, I don't know. I don't listen to this podcast. Are you insane? <laughs> Are you insane? What guy, a madman, would listen to this podcast? Twimmerk. You, you, you got these two schmoes out in Los Angeles, you see, and they lather. Anyway. Dirt Devil. This week, because... Marvel's Daredevil Season 2 is launching, which features the introduction of Elektra into the series. We read the original Elektra saga from, well, we sort of read, uh, we sort of abridged it. We, we took the most relevant Elektra issues, which were Daredevil 168, 174 through 177, 179, and 181. All written and penciled by Frank Miller, inked by Klaus Janssen, uh, lettered by Joe Rosen. Um, colored for the most part by Glennis Ween, except for the last issue, One A One, which was also colored by Klaus Janssen in addition to his inks. Who who was the cover artist for the first issue that we're talking about? Frank Miller. Well, he needs to get a dictionary. Why? Because he spells Electra okay. incorrectly. <laughs> to be fair, that one of Ben. Uh, Frank Miller that did that. That's why I asked. That will have been someone. No, he did the cover art, but I'm sure someone in production. Yes, that is. Electra spelled wrong. That is infamously uh, incorrectly spelled on the cover of her first. Her debut issue. Um, Not as good to me as the debut of the Wasp, which uh, on the cover says that they are introducing a fabulous new character, the, the Wasp. The the wasp. The the wasp because they spell out the, but then the is also part of like the stylized oh, yeah, logo, the logo version of the wasp. So it actually, if you read it all the way through, it reads as the the wasp. Um. Anyway, so let's jump right into it. Of course, the first issue that introduces Electra was the first issue that Frank Miller wrote and drew himself. Did you know that, Patrick? Of course, everyone knows that. No, you didn't know that. Um, anyway, uh, and actually he created, uh, Electra as an homage to, 
uh, a Will Eisner, the spirit story in which the spirit encounters a uh, former lover of his that then comes back and is the villain, Frank Miller, uh, obviously very influenced by Will Eisner and his work on the spirit, particularly evident in uh, this first issue. I mean, it, how long has it been since you read these, Patrick? Long time. I, I mean, the first time, not this time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Long time. Um, and one thing that struck me was how innovative for the time some of the stuff. What year was this? He was doing this was 1980 that she that the first issue is. Let's look at the cover. 1980. And it, it still looks just as engaging and exciting today as. It probably looked back then. Of course. But, I mean, there's things like here on page, like if you look at the third page, like there's that whole sequence at the bottom where, like, it's the fixed camera angle and all the action is going on just as it boom, 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 boom. Yeah, that's the technical term for it. The, boom, the boom, classic boom, 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 classic boom. Frank Miller, ba-boom, 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 well, ba-boom. Well, actually, it's more of a classic Will Eisner thing that Fair Frank enough. Miller took from uh, him. Stole it, some might say. No, not stole. It's, you know, it's, it's he, because he doesn't steal it, because he also evolves the techniques at the same time. Ugh. Learn your history. Um, anyway, I also forgot just how much of, like, DNA of what we now think of Matt Murdock as is in this thing. Because not only in addition to introducing Electra in what we read... He also introduces the hand, uh, stick. Um, in some of the issues we didn't read, uh, we see the first confrontation between Daredevil and Kingpin, the very first time they meet, the very first time Kingpin is sort of positioned as a... Kingpin, if you will. King, well, no, we have back Kingpin before, but he wasn't positioned as a Daredevil villain. He's a Spider-Man villain primarily before this. Um, uh, what about Mr. Slaughter? Mr. Slaughter, he is also featured in this. Was this? Uh, did you look it up? Was this Mr. Slaughter's first appearance? I don't know. I didn't look it up. Uh, I just like that his name is Mr. Slaughter. Yes, he appears a few times over the course of the issues that we read. Um, I don't know. What, 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 what you have got to say? I, uh, I've been I think it's. A lot. I think it's funny that uh, as part of Foggy's initiation into a frat or what have you, he has to wear antlers on his head. He has to wear a hat that has antlers on it. And Matt's like, what are you doing with that silly hat? And Foggy's like, I got to wear this dumb hat. It's like a hat with antlers on it. Sounds well, and pretty the, and, cool. And that's the other thing. Like, I think when people imagine Frank Miller, they imagine the brooding, gritty. Exactly. That, that a lot of his later work became. But here I was surprised by how much humor there was in it. Like there – Again, there is a great bit in another issue that we didn't read, so I won't talk about. But in this run, there's the great bit when uh, everybody's trying to find Stick, and like ten people come crashing through like the door. For, like first, this is what He's, issue one seventy six, I want to say. Um, and first, you know, you get uh, very reluctant to to give up that information. Yeah, like, yeah. Ugh, He's gonna kill me if he finds out, but. He's, who's, he's, who's the first person that does it? I don't remember. Oh, man. And and then by the end, like, he just... Uh, Heather, People just crash Heather through. Glenn yeah. just comes in the door with a gun, and he just starts, like, moaning the name of yeah. the place where... Where he is, yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't... 
you know. Oh, wait. Are we at uh, what we're looking at right now? It's crazy that so Electra's like, ooh, we got to meet down at the docks to intervene in whatever. And then uh, Daredevil uses a plane. He crashes a plane into the dock as an offensive maneuver. Everyone's well, yeah. like, well, yeah, because, oh, plane's coming. No, because that's what they were there for. They were there for the plane. So. Oh, right. It's just a crazy move to be like, Oh, this is how I'm going to save one person. I'm going to crash an entire plane into this dock. You've never done that before? I can't say that I have. You're now also, Electra, that costume's not very functional. Uh, I mean, yeah, okay. I can, I can understand <laughs> that. <laughs> what, is the, what is there to understand? She has slits up the side that essentially go all the way up to her armpits. And it's she's doing battle in the rain. She didn't catch a cold, is what I'm saying. All right. And then when we op- go to the first page of the next issue, and issue 174, that is. Is it the first page, or is it this issue, or my? I... Uh, it's the first page of a different issue where. It opens on her doing bikini yoga. Oh, that's 175. Yeah. So that's the next issue. Yes. Good old bikini yoga. Um, also, someone in that uh, issue that we were just looking at, one of the bad guys uses chains as a weapon. Like, that's his, you know, someone grabs a bat, someone grabs a knife. And there's one bad guy. He's got a bunch of rusty chains. I feel like that's a very 80s thing. Didn't, didn't oh, absolutely. Like, it's like, more like, I think it's a lot more like a video game thing. Well, of, I, I was going to say, like, those old beat-em-ups from, like, the the 90s, really. Late 80s into the it's 90s. Still, like, there was always that, like, in Double Dragon, that guy just carrying a chain. It's still, in the, it's, it's still funny. Also, uh, the bad guy who had the gun to her head in that, that issue on the dock that we mm-hmm. were just talking about, he says... I'm going to shoot her in the head and make her die. <laughs> like, like those were two separate thoughts of like, not only am I going to shoot her in the head, but I'm also going to make her die from shooting her in the head. Or I'm going to shoot her in the head, then I'm going to make her die. I know, and it's they're they're t- they're linked together. We get it, buddy. Um, it's also we can't really talk about this, but now that we're getting into 174, we can sort of hint at because we've talked about it elsewhere, but how much of um, uh, the there are there are a lot of moments in season two that are very uh, like echo a, a very much echoes of moments from this original run. Not like one to one, like they took the panel and put it on the page. It's just it's scenarios that come about even beyond like some of the Electra stuff, where it's like, oh wait, they they did that in season two, didn't they? Yeah. Um, uh, and, well, I guess if you're listening, you just have to wait until Friday to understand what we're talking about. Um, and also I love how the hand is, like, Frank Miller, like, comes in and he does his first five or six issues. And he's like, I'm going to establish this as a grim, not grim, but uh, a grittier, more grounded crime saga. You know, with the kingpin coming in and taking over things and... Uh, is an issue that we didn't read where, like, Bullseye is just, like, this complete psychotic individual. And then he follows that up with, and then I'm going to throw ninjas in here. <laughs> because now we always think of Daredevil ninjas, right? But 
Daredevil wasn't fighting ninjas before Frank Miller. Yeah. Frank Miller just decided to... He was just like, oh, I know it'll be cool. Let's have Daredevil fight a bunch of ninjas. And it is awesome, but... I have no well, idea where that. I'm sure it's I'd just love beca- to know where that thought process came from. I, I'm sure part of it is Daredevil isn't like his powers are definitely C or D list powers. Like he's not super strong. He's not super fast. He's not whatever. He, he has a really good sense of smell. Right, and he can see slightly better than someone with the gift of sight can see you know like you can hear things really well right so so it's i'm sure it was okay we can't just keep putting him up we can't keep creating heavies for him to go up against he he needs to find physical adversaries and oh ninjas they're at the top of their game and are really skilled brawlers so let's just keep throwing ninjas at him uh I, I'm just reminded of the D Antward song Ninja now at this point. I yeah. Can't, I can't sing it. Are you familiar with it? Yeah. I, I can't sing it here, otherwise I would, because there are lots of. Um, yeah, so you think stairs. of the song Ninja and not the member of the group called Ninja? Oh, one of them's called Ninja? Yeah. Oh, that makes more sense now. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, I'm also struck, too, by how Electra still decides to help Matt, even though at first she's like, no, you're my sworn enemy. And then she's just like, uh, but I still can't get the hots for you, and I'm still going to... You're still just a hunky heartthrob. Yes, he is. That's Matt Murdock's catchphrase. All right, let's... Uh... <laughs> That's, hello, I'm here. Daredevil, the hunky heartthrob. That's his catchphrase. All right, what other witticisms do you have? Let's 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 bang through this thing. We don't want people uh, on for too which long. Which ep- one of the issues ends with Frank Miller writing next issue, the Gantlet. Yes. <laughs> which I was like, is that is that going to be some wordplay where? No, but then the issue actually was called the Gantlet. Yeah. Th- so just just that doesn't make any sense because that's not how you spell that word. Uh, can we can we jump to the issue where we can win a Columbia ten speed racer? Oh, but yeah, that that was a big thing in the eighties. Um, winning bikes through comic books. Uh, no, I want to jump more importantly to the issue where Daredevil is basically just tripping and like has all these crazy hallucinations that culminate in him fighting this demon demon Krampus looking thing that like is his devil or whatever uh there's also a scene where I I I think it's like Electra is is in danger or whatever and I think it's like a crime boss his his response to like someone being in danger is it is fortunate for me that I do not care. <laughs> it's like wait, what? Couldn't you just say I don't care or luckily I don't care. But no. Like that is such a imagine if anyone for any reason was talking to you and just said it is fortunate for me that I do not care. Um, I also want to ask, when you originally read this, Patrick, did you know Electra was going to die? No. Really? No. Wow. See, that, that, that is one of those things I was thinking about is that, like, this is one of those books that, to me, like, 
is like called its ending. It's like the death of Electra. And I'm like, it's one of those books where it's like, unless you're reading this when you're five years old, it's already going to be spoiled for you long before you read it. But that's interesting. How is this not spoiled for you? Did you just like pick it up in a collection or something and uh, you had no idea who Electra was? Oh, yeah. It was like at a time where I was kind of the only person I knew, and this was before the internet, like that was interested in comics. So it wasn't like a friend of mine said, oh, you got to check this out. It was just I came across it and read it and was like, oh, okay. And Electra at the time uh, wasn't as big of a deal to me or I didn't know she was as important of a character as I now know her to be. Mm-hmm. But I was also surprised with how quickly it happens. Well, I think that's one of the things that really surprised fans in the 80s, too, because this really wasn't... I mean, think about it. At this point in comics, particularly in superhero comics, like you introduce someone who's positioned as an important character, you don't go and kill them off then. Yeah. Like, with the exception of... Gwen Stacy. Uh, Gwen Stacy is actually the only character that I can think of that was like a significant character before Electra that that died, unless I'm completely missing someone else. Uncle Ben. Well, but that was different because that happened like in the origin, you know? Yeah. I mean, maybe you could argue Bucky, but Bucky really kind of gets killed off panel and sort of to try and establish a retcon with Captain America's yeah. history. Yeah, and obviously this did not happen before, but I was recently reading um, Kevin Smith's Guardian Devil, and when Karen Page dies in that, right. that she at least gets like – multiple panels and multiple pages to like let the reader know hey she is dead and like it was tragic and it was a standoff this was just oh bullseye and Electra were fighting and then he stabbed her in the stomach and then the next page uh Electra's like crawling to matt's doorstep and then the next page it's just her corpse on uh, a gurney. Yes. No sort of like, oh, maybe she's coming back from this. It's just, nope, she she shows signs of being bashed in the face and stabbed through the heart and is now dead. All right. So I want to jump quickly to issue 179 and then jump right on to issue 181 because that's really the meat of this. 179 I love because I think it's the first time we've told a, a story had been told through Ben Urich's perspective. Oh, right. Uh, maybe that's not true. I'd have to go back and look to see if the issue from about, like, 28 or so issues before this where uh, Ben discovers Matt's identity. I forget if that's actually told from his perspective. But that one re- wasn't written by Miller, and I feel like Miller really established sort of the tone for... Uh, Yurik's inner monologue in that issue and really established him as one of my uh, favorite characters. Um, And you also have that awesome scene where Electra stabs the guy in the theater right next to Yurik and he's just terrified. Um, I think that was, uh, I think this issue is also where they were at the bar, or I think Yurik was at a bar or whatever and there were two dudes arm wrestling shirtless. Like you didn't notice that? that? Yeah, I was like, wow, there's a lot of beige in the bottom right corner of this panel. What the hell is going on? Oh, two shirtless arm wrestlers. That's amazing. Who probably also then went and did battle with chains. (laughs) Like that was a thing. Like, oh, 
dudes wrestle shirtless in bars as well as bad guys using chains as weapons. Sure. Uh, all right. Now, really, what I want to talk about is 1A1. Because 1A1, one thing that I've forgotten about was the entire thing is narrated from Bullseye's perspective. Oh, yeah. It's like, crazy. Like, there's no like there's this huge event happening in Daredevil's life, and you don't get any of Daredevil's, like, inner thoughts on it at all. It's all di- Bullseye. And the other thing I forgot was that Bullseye puts together that Daredevil is Matt Murdock. <laughs> yeah. And, and, like, and, then he, and then he goes... In just to, the simplest way of, like, oh, man, these are two annoying people. Wait a second. Maybe they're the same person. But you know what? They are the same person. But but then he goes to Kingpin and proposes this, and Kingpin's like, you're an idiot. Daredevil's blind. Yeah. Cut to, what, uh, four years later, about? Daredevil born again. Karen Page, a prostitute hooked on heroin, comes to him and says that Matt Murdock is Daredevil. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's totally Very true. interesting. Yeah, all right. Um, so clearly Wilson Fisk, uh, had some time to reassess his, uh, opinion, but, uh, yeah, this thing, I mean, I forgot. It's, we both admittedly, you know, Mark and I enjoy reading comic books. And when we saw that this was a double issue, we both thought like, oh, this is going to take us longer than we thought to actually get through all of these issues. And then we're re- we were both, I'm pretty sure, reading it, and it's a double issue, but it just flies by because there is so much action, and it's just very much a force of bullseye breaking out of jail, escaping a talk show, going after Daredevil because that's all he's motivated to do. Well, and, and more importantly than that, which I don't know – I mean, I don't know how many comics you've read from, like, this period. Three. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing not a huge amount. But this was actually really revolutionary. The fact that you had these fight sequences that were on uh, with no word balloons, right. with no description, not even some, like, omniscient narration of what was going on. Like, this was this was really, really rare. I don't even know if in superhero comics anybody had really done it before Frank Miller. Like, it's something that you see a lot these days, but it's really Frank Miller, even if people had done it beforehand, I feel like if you look at the context of the larger history, it was the impact of this issue that really cemented that technique as, hey, we can do this, and really showed other people that it was a valid way of doing it. I think it's also a credit to his skills as a writer that were it another writer who potentially was just trying to drive the, the story forward, that creator wouldn't be able to say, oh, and then there's no dialogue for three pages. People would say, well, what, you need to tell this story and you're not getting enough out there. But because of his skills as a writer, the the folks probably trusted him more of like, oh, you are getting enough solid content out there. To let the artists, you well, know, no, let, and, or let the art, and also his skills as an artist, because re- yeah, uh, how well he choreographs those fights, which are very brutal. And actually, I, I feel like those fights, had they had any type of narration or flowery prose or dialogue in them, it would have taken the impact away. And like just the first page of this issue, where it's just Daredevil in crosshairs, like Get, a full splash page, just getting shot in the head, was like. 
Oh crap! This what is this is the stakes are real high on this one. What happened? Um, yeah. Another thing that really struck me was, uh, I forgot. Yeah, I, I this didn't dawn on me because I always knew like, oh, electrodized bullseye kills her. We all know this, right? But if you look through it, oh wait, we just flipped past the page where there's yeah. that super iconic shot so, like, of bullseye. She's her with her side. She stabbed right there. There's a few panels of her just in, you know, agony. I don't know how to navigate this thing. And then, yeah, she crawls up to the doorstep and says, Matt, and people are looking on. And then the next page, she's just dead. Yep. And here's the thing. Matt, when he, when Bullseye is in there, he doesn't know Bullseye killed her. Right. Like, he doesn't realize, and this, this is what really struck me, and again, because it's all told from Bullseye's perspective, you don't get, see that realization, but if you really look at it, it's not until Bullseye lures Daredevil out of Matt's apartment and picks up the signs that he could only have had he been the one to right. kill her. That's the moment where he must have realized. After. That. But, but that, that's just like. To to have such an emotional beat like that, and not show it, is such a daring and much more interesting way of telling this story to me. After the Ferris Bueller moment of Matt having constructed a dummy and recorded his voice, <laughs> like, oh, this will fool him. And it did fool it him. It did fool him. Um, I also forgot that that he drops Bullseye. I forgot. I thought Bullseye like somehow stabbed him and everything, but and no. slipped and yeah, yeah. No, Matt just drops him. Like that's how. And again, like that is what. Like he he drops him probably like five minutes after realizing, holy crap, this is the guy that killed yeah. Electra. Um, so it just sort of paints how like raw that is and everything. Um, I don't know. What you, any, any more thoughts from you before we jump into reader comments? Thumbs up. All right, great. <laughs> okay, great. Let's get on. Uh, with this. Let's let's jump to reader comments. Well, who we got? Who we got? All right, I'll start. Ryan. we got at DJ Fanco. Time to start getting ready. St- time to start reading to get ready for Daredevil on Netflix. I always forget how sensual Frank Miller's writing is. It makes Daredevil so good. Very true. I love how. Frank Miller really gets into the head of how Matt experiences uh, the world and the sensations. Um, lemon, what a great word. Yes, I, rem- I can't remember read the scene that had it, um, and the photo is not that you include DJ Fanco is not loading for us, but I do remember that moment, and it was a fantastic word. Did you remember that, Patrick? No. Hmm. Uh, Hmm. uh, Electra's characterization in the flashback seems so different from the manic devil-my-care disposition of later years. Uh, I don't know. Is it? I I feel like it's not. I feel like it's still there, but you just see such brief moments of it. Yeah, it seems more like everything. Everything is so efficient with her assassinating that yeah, you don't really get to see her going wild. Uh, I know it was on the official reading list, but 169 was pretty mental. I agree. To me, 169, as much as I love the origin of Electra and all that, 169, Miller's second issue, was the issue where you see the Frank Miller that we think of when we think of Frank Miller's Daredevil. Um, 
if that is the uh, bullseye issue that I referred to early earlier, where he's just this complete psychopath. If only I could be like that guy in the theater, wholly engrossed in the film while everyone fought. He's my new hero. And this is out. This is the moment of comedy that I was mentioning earlier. It's in 169, and there are these two. Did you read 169, Patrick? I did, did not. You just read. There are these two guys in the theater. Uh, where Bullseye goes in. He thinks everybody's dressed up as Daredevil because he's got a tumor in his head. It is a tumor. Am I right? Um, So uh, he starts attacking and killing everyone, and then there are these two guys watching the Maltese Falcon in the front of the theater that are so engrossed in it that they, like, don't notice what is going on. So it's all these shots of them in the foreground being engrossed in the film. And Bullseye slaughtering people in the background. I, too, wish I could be so focused on a movie that I don't get distracted by things things like that. But, no, people uh, take out their cell phones. Oh, man, that page in Daredevil 169 where Matt goes up to listen for a cough was sublime, indeed. Um, I love the parallelism of Daredevil 174, the fights, the burning photos, and other points had repetition with variation. That's another thing that I noticed a lot when I was watching the, reading this was that uh, he does do that, and it's good. It frames pounds in really interesting ways. But then issue 175 shows the same page, including the killing of three ninjas with one strike. Yep. I, I also thought... I, I made, Almost like, hey, last time on I, Daredevil. I, I didn't know that. I'm like, oh, I should really tell you know the Marvel Unlimited guys that... They there's repeat, a mistake, that yeah. There's a mistake. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, the page is actually very slightly different. Because it goes on for like one line of dialogue longer. Well, there's like one added panel at the bottom, and that's it. Um... It's a sensible callback, but the panel composition is different. New art accompanied by new words. I get the callback is strong at the end of 175. The same sword is used to fell Kirigi with a third killing stroke. There's overlapping narrative parallelism between the triple kill and the tit-for-tat destruction of swords for a club. I may have read too deeply. On second pass, it seems Matt kicks the sword he uses from another foe he was fighting. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember this. I'm sorry. <laughs> Still, issue 175 was the high watermark of the arc thus far, so full of tension, definitely. Uh, that bit with everyone converging on Pike's place was comedy gold. He and Aunt Ben J. Morse almost were state neighbors. Um, yes, I, that, that was the sequence that we mentioned earlier. Uh, why don't you read right. the next rounds? McKenna Johnson, a.k.a. at Macaboo with three O's. Love the scene in Daredevil 168 where Matt is trying to save Elektra and his silhouette is red. Physically impossible, but you're right. Makes for a good comic book moment. Foggy and Matt, best friend scene in Daredevil 174. I'm not crying. You're crying. Nope, you're crying. Okay, we're all crying. Very anxious about Matt's radar sense, or rather, his lack thereof. Hmm, interesting. I did it, didn't I? I hit the target. Anybody can do it once. And that's uh, a quote in regards to stick training Matt to hone his senses once again. Why wasn't Daredevil 178 picked? Awesome opening electrofight sequence plus Daredevil meets Power Man and Iron Fist. Sign me up. I think it was just more we didn't want to assign people too many comics yeah, to read. We, 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 I picked out sort of the crux of the arc. Also, yeah, Ben's face as Matt lifts 400 pounds like it's no big deal. 
It's fine. Yeah, that was like, wait, what? He picks up a 400-pound dumbbell and just chucks it across the room hey, when man. we already established he was that, not that strong. I love that strong. that happened, and then like 30 years – or not 30 years later, but like 20-some years later in Daredevil issue 50 by Bendis and Malieve, Bendis uh, has Daredevil pick up a SUV and throw <laughs> – like not pick you up, but toss it over at someone – and there was, like, a bunch of fan outcry online about, like, Daredevil could never do that. Yeah, who does he think he is? Vin Diesel in Furious 7? Matt fighting Turk and friends with his crutches? Absolutely priceless. Oh, that was another, I believe, issue that we uh, <laughs> missed. Uh, one more comment. Ow. Hashtag Twim Great. Next up, we have Penelope Cat. New Twim URC selection is The Electra Saga by Frank Miller from Daredevil, which I've never read. I'd been meaning to read some Miller DD before season two of the Netflix show, so this gives me the excuse to do just that. And I'm bleh, bleh, I'm bet you're glad you did. 168, Electra is such a part of Daredevil now, it's easy to forget that she was a love of my life who I've never mentioned before now. Which is true. We actually recorded what well, we had this conversation because we, yeah, I'm not saying my stuff. We again. recorded and then it, we didn't record anyway. <laughs> but no, it, it you know the Electra and also Stick, who Miller introduces a few issues later. They're such integral parts of the Daredevil mythology that you completely forget at this point that for the first 165 issues of his existence, they were never seen nor even mentioned. Miller creates a nice, tragic background for Matt and Electra in just a few pages. I particularly liked the montage panel. That, to me, also felt very much like the influence of Will Eisner and the fact that he is able to cram such a story into such a small amount of space. Um, overall, Miller's, story, Miller's storytelling is very cinematic, and I'm a big fan of the impressionistic backgrounds. When will criminals learn not to be addicted to a thing that you can only find at one store? How many has that floss stopped and tripped up? Uh, unrelated to that comment directly, there was a lot of smoking. It was in the this. 80s. Yeah, that, it was it's, the 80s. you just kind of forget, you know, because even now it's not like they're going to have these guys vaping or anything. They'll just be like, oh, we don't need this at all. Right. Uh when, uh, 174, loving the use of serpents on these early pages. I'm going to assume that's some artistic thing that my unartistic mind is dummy. unaware of. Also enjoying the juxtaposition between horizontal and vertical panels throughout the issue. That's another thing I wanted to bring up was the horizontal panels with the vertical. Uh, that's all Miller. Like, that was not done in comics, really, before Miller. It was all very much like three-tier grids, right. stuff like that, uh, maybe two-tier grids. But Miller really played up and, and carved up the page in very different ways than was common at the time. At first, it feels like Electra's panels are mostly vertical and Dee's panels are mostly horizontal. When they meet, that changes up. I didn't even catch that. That's interesting. 176, really enjoying the juxtaposition of street-level crime elements with superhero tropes like Turk's robo-suit. Oh, yeah. Ninjas. That's right. The robo-suit. The robo-suit. <laughs> that, that he just knows where to find. I love Turk. And also just the juxtaposition, like I say, of street-level crime with ninjas. <laughs> and a robo-suit. And a robo-suit. Uh, ah, Heather, such a devoid girlfriend until she's bored. To be fair, Matt and Stick did shut her out. 
If you're interested in reading more about Heather, she she actually has a very tragic story herself. Um, Wait, you mean one of Daredevil's love interests has a tragic love story? Oh, I know. Shocking, right? Um, but no, she has a very tragic story herself. Uh, it's like the eight issues leading up to Born Again. So, like, I'd say start reading around issue 219 through 226. You can uh, can learn more about Heather's story. I also recommend that story. Great. Dennis O'Neill on the writing and David Mazzuccelli on the art. Uh... I love the use of black and white and craft tint shading in the hallucination sequence. Uh, yes, on the black and white, craft tints, again, we will go with I am very artist illiterate. Uh, 1A1, for all the mythic status the death of Electra holds, it's a surprisingly low-key part of this issue. Yeah. But I think it's only low-key again because it's all told from Bullseye's perspective. Like, and to Bullseye, it's, it's just like... That's just an obstacle in the way of him getting to Daredevil. Yeah, he, he just does it. Like, he has a, it's not even to get to Daredevil. It's an obstacle in the way of getting back in the Kingpin's good graces. It's a chore to him. He's just like, eh, I'll kill you. Which makes him even more cold and terrifying than usual. Reading these issues has really whet my appetite for more Miller DD. Time to crack open the omnibuses. Agreed. Do it. All right. And this person, uh, Penelope Cat, Cat, she used DD, short for Daredevil. Uh, This is, we can just cut that. (laughs) Yes, she she abbreviates Daredevil to the common abbreviation of DD. That is a great... I was, Great observation. I was about to go into this story about how one time my friend Steve O'Brien left a comment on my own personal blog where I was talking about Daredevil, and he also loves Daredevil, and he left a comment, something along the lines of, oh, yeah, I love me some good old double DD. Like, he used double and he used DD, so I always give him a hard time to this day saying, oh, good old double DD. <laughs> D D D D four Ds is what that means. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, the next Twim URC will be in two weeks with the East Coast. They are reading the 2005 New Warriors miniseries by Zeb Wells and Scotty Young, which surprisingly somehow Ben J. Morris has never read, despite being he doesn't even like Warriors comics. Yeah, I bet if it was about wrestling, he'd be like, "Oi, oi, love wrestling." He's such a fake geek guy. Fake geek guy. Fake, fake geek boy. Um, anyway, thank you for listening to us prowl on. We'll be with you again in seven more days. Until then, have a splendiferous weekend, a splendiferous er week. And as always, I just I apologize for all of this. Hello out there this week in Marvel. This is Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh. And I am joined by... Harrison Wilcox. And... Katie Kineski. That's right. The return. The triumphant trio. It's, if, if listeners remember. Nobody remembers. Nobody remembers. <laughs> That's nice to imply that, that people pay attention to and recall information from this segment. Assuming there are listeners. I think there are. I think there are. You know what? We don't have confirmation that there are listeners. Well, they, sh- they should do something. Like tweet something. Yeah. The hashtag. They should all tweet Katie Kineski. It's at K-A-T-I-E-K-A-N-O-O-S-K. That's my handle. You got it, everybody? <laughs> just say you exist. That's all we need. Yeah, just yeah. I exist. <laughs> we have, because we have proof that people download it. Sure. We have statistics 
algorithms that prove people download it. Science. Actually listen to it. No confirmation. No com. Because you know how it goes. You subscribe to a podcast. You're like, this is great. I'm totally going to listen to this. And then you have 35 episodes. And you're like, oh, mm, I really, no. oh, I really don't care. I'm, to- Patrick, I'm listening to Car Talk episodes from 2012 right now. Wow. <laughs> I'm catching up. Wow. If anyone out there listens to this and knows what Car Talk is... Congratulations on being 75 years old and knowing how to work the internet. Because <laughs> I don't think they're the same demographic. No, car talk. And, uh, so thanks for tuning in. That'll do it for us. Uh, I think we covered all the... No, we've got plenty of stuff to talk about. We've got three new episodes this week of Marvel Animated Series. Starting at 8 a.m. this Sunday on Disney XD, there's a brand new episode of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. What's happening this week? Well, uh, Ronan the Accuser has returned, and he is uh, going to take uh, the fight back to the Kree High Commander, the Supreme Intelligence, and uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy get mixed up in, you can guess it, shenanigans. (laughs) And then hilarity ensues. There, that's the other half of it. And, mm-hmm. uh, Shenanigans and hilarity. That's what it says in the script. Sometimes yeah. tomfoolery. Yeah. Sort of what I love about this show is that we can explore these sorts of cosmic corners of the Marvel Universe and we can tell a story with Ronan and Supreme Intelligence and that relationship. We're all wrapped up in a very cool Guardian story. Not bad. Katie, what's your favorite moment from this episode? Oh, jeez. I mean... It's tough to narrow it down. I mean, the Kree Supreme Intelligence is pretty cool. Yeah. He's a giant head floating in, like, a big tank. Not and bad. And he's pretty silly. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, Harrison's saying, getting to explore all these characters that we don't really get to see yeah. all the time is awesome. So Great. He does stay better hydrated than even Rob Lowe. <laughs> <laughs> well, even, even more hydrated than Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe, the one thing he's known for Being is hydrated. how hydrated he is. Not anymore. Supreme Intelligence. <laughs> Supreme Intelligence. Sorry, Rob Lowe. Uh, we're going to have to send you back to St. Elsewhere. Mm. Is that what he goes on? No. St. Elmo's know. Fire? West Wing. We'll go West, West Wing. Wing. Let's go West with Wing. West Wing. <laughs> yes. For people who listen to Car Talk, you might have understood where I was going with that St. Elmo's Fire refer- reference. But uh, everyone else, let's stick with West Wing. There you go. Uh, the, the hilarity does not stop at that one episode of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Because following that, we have a brand new episode of Marvel's Avengers Ultron Revolution at 8.30 a.m. on Disney XD. What's going on this week with the Avengers? Well, our good pal Ultron is back. Uh, I don't know if I'd call him a pal. He might be your pal. Well, it depends on what your agenda is, I guess. Fair enough. Uh, he comes back and he has, uh, created the Ultimates version of the Avengers, which is something that we've seen in publishing. It's a very cool yeah. visual of these Ultron robot versions of the Avengers. Yeah. And you can guess it. Tomfoolery and shenanigans. Hijinks. Hilarity. Tomfoolery. All that stuff. They all sit around and watch car talk. Listen to car talk. <laughs> <laughs> they sit around listening to car talk. Like, hey, we can just be pals. Yeah. Sure. We have similar tastes in uh, advice as far as cars go. <laughs> By the way, thanks to Car Talk for sponsoring this episode. <laughs> uh, no, it's a great it's a great episode. The season is really kicking into high gear, uh, and we're only on episode two. Right? It's uh, it's going crazy, and people are going to be really happy with this season. I think. 
people uh, who work on the show, Katie, Marsha Griffin, uh, Carrie Rosenberg, uh, Dan Evans, uh, did a great job. And Katie, what do you prefer? The original Harrison Wilcox or the Ultimates version of Harrison Wilcox? Oh, I don't know. Uh, geez, I think it depends on the day. <laughs> depends on the day. And what notes they're giving. I don't know. <laughs> good answer. Good answer. That's about as good as good of an answer as one would expect from a question like that. By the so, way, Katie, like every podcast she's on, has been promoted since the last <laughs> podcast. That's true. She was coordinator in the first one. Then yep. she was promoted to president, and now she is ambassador. Mm. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. So you're an ambassador to another country, or just a general ambassador? Goodwill ambassador. The title doesn't specify. <laughs> yes. It just says ambassador. Fair on enough. A, on an index card. Fair enough. <laughs> Not even an actual business card. Yeah. It, yeah. You must run through a lot of business cards. I with do. All these. No, no, it's on an index card. <laughs> oh, <it's> just, <laughs> That's why. We went through them all, so now I just have index cards. <laughs> right. Writing it down. Very inconvenient. You should get, uh, just hand out whiteboards. Oh, sure, you can just sure. Easily, quickly erase, and then you still look very professional. It's like, look at all this money I have. I'm handing out whiteboards because, with my title. Because looking professional is what we are all about <laughs> on Marvel Podcasts. Absolutely. It's, true. it's very true. Uh, well, that's definitely the last episode of any new animated series this week, so we can wrap things up here. I guess we're all done. Unless anyone wants to correct me. And with excitement, tell me there's anything... Well, wait a minute. Oh, I just thought of something. That's right. Oh, phew. That was close. We almost ended this episode. I'm confused. We have a new episode of Ultimate Spider-Man versus the Sinister Six. (gasps) Oh, my goodness. And what could possibly go on in this episode? Well, this episode is titled Double Agent Venom. And for those who watched last week's episode... It was revealed that Rhino was the mole at S.H.I.E.L.D. Academy. And he freed Doc Ock, kidnapped Agent Venom, his buddy Flash Thompson, and has returned to the the dark side. Rhino is now working with the villains. And we're going to explore what that's all about in this episode. And uh, Scarlet Spider and uh, Spider-Man are going to go try to save their pal, Agent Venom. Man, the return of, if I may, Doc Ock. Uh, the return in the sense that he was in the episode last <laughs> yeah. week. Right. Because he's back. Okay. Yeah, he's yeah. back. <laughs> Everyone watched last week's episode was like, well, clearly we're not going to see any of these characters again, especially not Doc Ock, as he's called. Correct. We should, we should just have called the season the return of Doc Ock. Ooh. <laughs> the return of Doc Ock. Part one, part two, part three, <laughs> part, part four. 26. Every episode is just the return yes. of Doc Ock, Which, part 26. By the way, in your last email, you spelled Doc Ock with an extra K. D-O-C-K. That is true. Is, was that a typo, or do you think that's... Have you always thought that's how his name is pronounced and spelled? No. See, uh, th- this is really some inside baseball uh, talk for the Marvel podcast, is... We we have, you know, a uh, style guide of, hey, when you're writing on Marvel.com, these are the ways you write these things. Right. These are the way you refer to these things. For example, Doctor Strange is the only doctor who doctor is spelled out. Interesting. Everyone else. Like Doctor Who. 
Sure. Yes. Sure. Let's like go with yes people who are on the internet. Yes. All those, all those times we write about <laughs> Doctor Who on Marvel.com. And uh, so then this was a, an interesting thing where I was like, I want to shorten it to Doc Ock to look more cash. Right. Which is short for casual. Oh. That's how us people say <laughs> Catch it up now. Yeah. You, you, you pause car talk long enough to, right. to, to pay attention right. to what's going on. I'm glad we're spending so much time clarifying a typo. <laughs> a, a typo <laughs> and an email that, by the way, Harrison, when did you get that email? I don't know. I, have no, I can't keep track of time anymore. This, we'll say this morning. Right. Uh, and in fact, I copied and pasted from an email I sent to you last week. Right, and last where week. I incorrectly, last week. What? Where I incorrectly said last week we were talking about this week's episode. Oh, right. So I spelled Doc Ock. I almost blew the lid off. Spoilers. I talked about Doc Ock last week in an email to Harrison. Used a typo. So honestly, and I don't know what I was thinking with, a week he's ago. He's going to go with it. I said, surely it must be a typo because no one would actually do that. And then I saw it again and I had to say something. Yeah. In so, front of... 10 million people. Yes, all the people who right. listen to this podcast, roughly 10 million. When they, two years from now when they listen to it. <laughs> when, they when they finally catch up, catch yes. up. They're like, oh, so that's what happened on Serial. Right. Now I can move on to the This Week in Marvel podcast. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's a great story. I'm sure you're all real excited. Last week we had special guests like Bruce Springsteen yeah. and Adam Sandler. This Did, week, I like to think this helped people get through that last mile on the treadmill. We sure. really took our time really, to make sure that we were there for, going, them, you for that it. whole mile. <laughs> yeah, if if we did not blabber on and on, you'd have to go back to Ryan Panagos and Ben J. Morse talking about wrestling. So, <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm not here next week, this is why people at home. <laughs> it is because you demanded that I clarify yes. my typo in an email originally sent a week ago. And uh, on that note, we're having lots of fun here. <laughs> Absolutely. Lots of fun. Yeah. Make sure this Sunday morning you tune in to a brand new episode of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, Marvel's Avengers Ultron Revolution, and Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man versus the Sinister Six. Uh, Katie, anything else you'd like to, any, any words of wisdom you'd like to close with? I don't know. You say something like cartoon in, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Spoiler alert for what you're about to hear in uh, 30 seconds. But, Katie, pleasure as always. Pleasure. Harrison, yeah, you're, I know. you're kind of forced to be here. He's an Ultimates version. It's not really him. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, so, this Sunday, make sure you all cartoon in hey. to Disney XP. Hey.